In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today, uh, we celebrate, we observe our namesake, all souls, wherein we commemorate all the faithful departed. That is, we remember and honor, and if need be, mourn. And most importantly, what we're doing is that we are commending to Almighty God those who have fallen asleep in Christ. And the expression, fallen asleep, forms of which are used throughout Holy Scripture, is not so much a euphemism for death as it is a poetic proclamation of the resurrection. A euphemism, according to Oxford Online Dictionary, is a mild or indirect word or expression substituted for one considered to be too harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. Thus, and we know this, euphemisms, some can be good, but oftentimes euphemisms are used in an attempt to sand down the rough edges of reality. That's not what's going on here. When Paul and the scriptures speak of our brothers and sisters in Christ having fallen asleep, we speak of the dead in Christ having fallen asleep because we believe in the resurrection, because death is not final, because the dead in Christ will rise again with glorified bodies to inhabit a new heaven and new earth. Because the hope that we have on all souls, the hope that we have every Sunday, the hope that we have every moment of every day is that Jesus Christ, by his death, trampled down and defeated death. And as he rose up victorious from the grave, on that first Easter morning, with the keys of death and hell in his hand, so shall the children of God be raised up at the last day unto life everlasting. The Christian is not to avoid dealing with or thinking about death. On the contrary, We should live in the light of the fact that our death and judgment is imminent. I mean, this is part of the message of Advent, which starts two weeks from today. Advent is not just the liturgical season that gives you a signal that it's time to put your lights up. It's time to decorate. Christmas is coming. But part of the message of Advent is to prepare for the arrival of the Lord at the last day and or your arrival before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, some of you may roll your eyes at this because you're older than me. And from your perspective, uh, I'm still a young man. And hey, I'll, I'll take that. I would like to think of myself as a young man of as just getting started. But as I've gotten older, and especially since I've had children, time has sped up. It it flies. A a year is like a week. 
And I've heard a theory on this vis-a-vis -vis our perception of time, that as you get older, each day, each week, each month, each year is a smaller percentage of your life. So if you're five years old, a year is 20% of your life. If you're 50, it's 2%. Just 2%. Did I get the math right, Brian? Yeah, I got it right. Just, just checking with the treasure, I got the math right. In any case, Scripture speaks rightly when it says life is like a vapor. It appears for a short time, and it vanishes away. All Souls Day, in particular, uh, and requiem masses or Christian funerals in general, make us cognizant of death, of the reality of mortality, both our own mortality and that of others. And most of us don't like that. And for good reason. Death is terrible. It's our biggest problem. And thanks be to God, we have the victory over death through Jesus Christ. But the Christian hope of the resurrection doesn't mean that we're Pollyannish about death, that we should act like death is no big deal. It doesn't mean that we can't grieve, period, full stop. It doesn't mean we can't grieve. It doesn't mean we can't grieve for those whom we love but see no longer. It pains my heart when I do a funeral, when I preside over a requiem, and I see Christians fighting back tears at the funerals of their loved ones. That's, what, that's part of what we're supposed to do is mourn. But I think sometimes people feel that if they're sad, that they're really not anchored in the hope of the resurrection. That their sadness and their grief is some sort of revelation of their own lack of faith. But what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do at the tomb of Lazarus? at the tomb of the man that he was going to raise from the dead just moments later. He wept. John eleven thirty five. 35. All of you have memorized at least one verse in the Bible. Congratulations. John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. And if Jesus can weep, I think we can too. When someone that we love dies, we grieve. But we are not to grieve as those who have no hope. As those who have no hope, who believe that this life is all that there is. Because that really is hopeless. No, on the contrary, we take solace in the fact that the body of Christ is not torn asunder by death, that the dead in Christ 
are indeed alive to God. And that in the Holy Eucharist, that at the foot of the cross, before the throne of God, we are brought near to them, that is the dead in Christ, and they to us. And we are grounded in hope that in the kingdom of God, goodbye is not final. Do you know that the word goodbye is actually a contraction of a phrase, God be with you? God be with you. And brothers and sisters, those whom God is with will be with us at the last day when God will wipe away every every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more pain, no more crying, no more death. Death will be swallowed up in victory, that victory which the Lord won by his own death and resurrection. So on All Souls Day, we commemorate the dead, all the things we just talked about, particularly the dead in Christ. And we also commend the souls of the faithful departed to Almighty God, entrusting them to his mercy, goodness, and love. So whereas on all saints, the emphasis is on the prayers of the dead for the living, on all souls, the emphasis is on the prayers of the living for the dead. Now, we pray every week in the prayers of the people. Every week we pray for the departed. And every Eucharist is offered to the benefit of the dead in Christ. Listen to part of the Eucharistic prayer. And we earnestly desire thy fatherly goodness, mercifully to accept this our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, most humbly beseeching thee to grant that by the merits and death of thy son Jesus Christ and through faith in his blood, we and all thy whole church may obtain remission of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. Well, what is the whole church? There's one body of Christ comprised of both the living and the dead, the bodied and the disembodied, the church militant, expectant, and triumphant. So prayers for the dead and commendation of the souls of the faithful departed are a part of every Eucharist. But on All Souls Day and in a Requiem Mass, we're doubling down today, it's brought to the fore. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So at one level, when we're praying for the departed, we are asking the Lord to be merciful to those who have died on the day of judgment. And we are also asking on behalf of the faithful departed, that is, Christians who have died, that's key, that God would purify their souls and bring them to perfection, that they would attain to the beatific vision. So prayers for the dead... And this isn't, just to stop, and I've, I think I said this last year. I, well, I know I did. Um, it, it, I'm not arguing or I'm not sort of dog whistling about a medieval purgatorial system. But what I am saying is that the ancient church and the Anglican communion and the worship of the Anglican communion presupposes a post-mortem sanctification. Because, okay, to see God face to face, no one can see God and live. If, if we experience right now in our present state the unmitigated presence of God, I don't know what would happen, but it would be kind of like, you know, disrupting the space-time continuum and back to the future. 
Because, why? Because to see God face to face, it requires that there be no immaturity, no impurity or imperfection. We have to have the capacity to be able to handle the unmitigated presence of God. I like to call it spiritual acclimatizing. Jonathan and I were just talking about in the sovereignty of God, talking about Mount Everest uh, while we were setting everything up. And acclimatizing is something that mountaineers have to deal with. Uh, if we were able to take a plane uh, or to take a helicopter and they're able to take us right here from, what, zero, two feet above sea level, and they were to put us on the summit of Everest, we'd barely last a minute. If you want to summit Everest, you've got to spend weeks and weeks getting used to the altitude, gradually ascending the mountain, that is, acclimatizing. Somewhat in the same way, we have to be acclimated to the presence of God. So when we pray for the dead in Christ, we are in part, and we're praying for Christians to be fully sanctified. Prayers for the dead are not about, through some sort of pagan ritual, changing someone's eternal destiny, someone dying an atheist and magically making them a Christian through our prayers. But we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they would be able to reach the highest heaven and behold God face to face with the saints. We're asking that God would grant them grace to attain to the vision of God. And yes, of course, and I know we get nervous about this, and I think there's, there's notes in your service booklet about the history of All Souls Day. Of course there's been abuses, if you know anything about the Middle Ages, of pay for pray. Yeah, I'll pray for your dead one, and guess what? We'll, we'll get them out of purgatory as quick as we can. Of the selling of indulgences. But praying, but I... I the bottom line is this, that praying for and offering sacrifice on behalf of the dead is not a medieval invention. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament times. So brothers and sisters, as we move towards the Holy Eucharist, on this our holy day of title, as we light candles in remembrance of our loved ones, as we commend those who have died to the mercy and goodness of God, brothers and sisters, as we come if you will, face to face with death. Let us be anchored in the hope that the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. May the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. <laughs>